0: It's time for the 3304 Sports Podcast with your hosts, Dan Steinbach and Colborn bergstrom Welcome into the 3304 Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Steinbach. I'm with Cole bergstrom And, Cole Bjorn, we usually don't record this early uh, on in the week. We are currently recording on Monday, June 7th. And the reason I wanted to get you today uh, was because this past weekend was just so exciting from a fan perspective and just like a, a sport perspective that I, I wanted to talk about everything like as soon as possible and not have anything to be dated. You know, if we were to do a normal Friday show, um, I mean, I mean, yesterday was just incredible top to bottom, you know, we had breaking news over the weekend, um, you know, big trades, uh, An awesome, awesome soccer game from last night that we're definitely going to get to later on in the show. Uh, And we still have some stuff to look forward to in the next week. So I want to welcome you in. Um, How did did you enjoy your weekend this week? Did you, you know, uh, sit yourself in front of the TV like I did and pretty much just watch everything that was coming on? Or what what was going on for you?
1: Well... Um, i mean I, I think i've talked about this a little bit on the last pod but i actually started uh during last week my job with the Fred nats so sadly i wasn't really able to sit down for all of it like i found out the julio jones uh, trade which we'll get into uh like five hours after it happened um however uh beyond that i sat down and i watched a good like good portion of the gold cup game i think i had to miss a little bit here and there um but beyond that i mean yeah i've just kind of been like you, you couldn't take your eyes away from the screen.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I just have a nice little job back in my hometown, uh, just working as a host at a local restaurant. But I, I was working Saturday. And Saturday was a nice day, you know, had some NBA playoff, had some N- NHL playoff on. Uh, I think I had the Tigers game on. But I, I have a TV right by my host station. Um, and I flipped on the Belmont Stakes, and we've had a bunch of people in our restaurant at the bar just watching it and going crazy for two minutes. Horse racing is very electric. Um, like, like it's a really solid two minute sprint and I appreciate it for that. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not huge into the sport, but obviously when you have like the Preakness, the Kentucky Derby or the Belmont going on, it, it's something you want to watch. Uh, so, so the day like Saturday where it was just like a nice two minute, you know, excitement rush, well, it was pretty fun, but then we get into yesterday, Sunday, June 6th. And it was just incredible. Uh, also in our restaurant that day, we were, we had the Memorial tournament on. Uh, the third round of that uh, on the PGA tour. And we got the news break after leader, John Rahm finished his round that he had tested positive for COVID. And he was up six strokes after the first round. And I saw on ESPN when they were breaking it down, he would have to shoot uh, two over uh, 74 in order to win by one stroke uh, in his final round. So he was running away with it. And, you know, it, it was tough to see cause he was playing so well. And, um, but then there there became this discourse surrounding Rom testing positive for COVID that, Oh, this, this is his uh, choice. This is what he gets for not getting vaccinated. But I I was reading up on it on ESPN and he did get vaccinated. He got a vaccine. He got, I think his first vaccine uh, this past week. So it's like, it's it's not like he's some anti-vaxxer that is trying to, you know, stick it to the man or whatever and say, Oh, I don't believe in vaccines. No, he's getting a vaccine. It's just that he tested positive and it happened. So I don't get the hate from, you know, people regarding this, uh, it it was just tough to see him uh, test positive for that, but even still, I I am confused with the golf thing because obviously yes, we have contact tracing and you don't want to have a spreading event between players, but like, are, are you worried about, uh, you know, contact tracing between your players and your patrons? Are you worried about player to player? because golf is a very socially distanced sport ever since COVID started, you know, golf has been that one sport where it's like, okay, it's outside. You're basically by yourself and you're constantly apart from one another. You can, you can easily socially distance. So I don't know what the PGA's rules really are right now. Um, I know that they are only testing people who are not fully vaccinated. Ram is likely to sit out this uh, next weekend's uh, tournament, but I don't know. It was, it was just confusing to me as to like why he had to. I get the, I get why he had to. I mean, that's the positive. You can't have him play. Um, but it was just really unfortunate. But again, I, I don't get the discourse against him because he is getting vaccinated. It, it's just a tough break for him. Did, did you hear this story? I mean, I, I thought it was just kind of a crazy news, news break.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I've heard a little bit about it. I've kind of caught up a bit. I think I understand it, and I appreciate that they're being safe. Uh, I, I can understand some of your points as well. That it's generally a sport where you can be distanced, but uh, I, I don't know about this specific tournament. But I know that they have been allowing fans back into uh, like like tournaments and whatnot. And when when you see those types of fans, I've I remember as a kid, I went to a couple golf tournaments. Uh, like it gets wild. You, it looks like you have people on top of people, almost like a World War Z horde. <laughs> like that's how clustered they get. So I, I do get like the fact of if there's even any chance, any chance that he gets either near them or he can spread anything to them, it'll spread like wildfire. So I, I do appreciate their that he couldn't finish it out and. I think it also goes to show as well um I, I don't know if this is fully right but i do think i remember like being vaccinated like means that you're pretty well protected from the virus but there's i think still a slim chance even when you're double vaxxed, that you could still get it which means that you know with all the people that uh I, I i've seen at some of these places that are having their masks off you have to be very cautious still because you can still catch it and it is still a very deadly virus so just make sure for everybody who listens to this just remember to stay safe. It's not like if you're double-vaxxed, you have to always wear a mask, um, but just try to wear it like sometimes when you can, try to just set a good example and hopefully others will follow and hopefully we'll continue to be safe and healthy.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely just a attempt at thoroughness uh, on behalf of the PGA. I'm sure at some point um, in the next couple of months, they'll start to lift that sort of restric- restriction as you know patrons start to be more fully vaccinated you know, more of their players start to be fully vaccinated. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was just a interesting tidbit because he, he really did look crushed. I saw the video of him being told as soon as he wrapped up his 18th uh, on Saturday. Um, he was told, hey, you tested positive. And he, he just seemed crushed. He made a nice statement on Twitter. But everyone, again, everyone was up in arms about him because like, oh, just get vaccinated, bro. It's like he did. And it, it's just the timing of it. it it's just tough for him because he tested negative on I think he tested negative on Thursday on Friday and on Friday. And I think they tested him earlier in the week on like a Monday, but then he just tested positive on Saturday. And It's like, what are you going to do? Um, so I, you know what? I, I don't know what to do. I think there are a lot of people that are just headline watchers are like, Oh, John Rom test positive for COVID. Well, he must've not taken a vaccine because eventually he's going to get on that. You know, you're fully vaccinated. We won't have to test you anymore. Um, list because he already has one shot. Uh, I don't know. It, it was just a interesting bit of uh, sports news to start the weekend off. But then s- yesterday, the big, the, the first domino in yesterday's spectacular uh, sports extravaganza came at around 10 in the morning when Ian Rampaport and Adam Schefter started tweeting out the dealings of Julio Jones to Tennessee. Uh, only a second round pick and I think a fifth round pick swap from Atlanta to Tennessee mm-hmm. um, or from Tennessee to Atlanta. But Julio Jones is going to Tennessee now, and, I mean, it, it's it's really just an awesome fit. And when you look at it from a replacement perspective, you, you're you getting rid of Corey Davis in free agency, and you're bringing in Julio Jones. I, I can't think of more of an upgrade. And I like Corey Davis, but Julio Jones is, like, top, top. So, yep. look, you're the Colts guy on the pod. I feel sorry for you. <laughs> um, but it, it's really a good move, man. It really uh, – from – multiple perspectives from, you know, fantasy football perspective to just plain old, you know, who's going to win games come the NFL season perspective, the Titans look really, really good. And they already had a really solid offense last season. Adding Julio Jones to that with AJ Brown is a nightmare for cornerbacks in the league. And I mean, you still got Derrick Henry there and look, we can joke about it, but Ryan Tannehill is really pretty good. Like if I made a top 10 list, he'd definitely be in it. Um, Yes. Derrick Henry helps him clearly. And the play action game helps him clearly. But look, I think it was Don uh, Cleveland who put up a graphic showing that in a window, ever since Ryan Tannehill has taken over in Tennessee, his numbers are comparable to Patrick Mahomes. And look, we don't think of Ryan Tannehill as this superstar guy, but he gets it done. And if Tennessee's defense can do something this year, as opposed to last year where they kind of were just a rotating door, um couldn't generate a pass rush but they're making some shrewd moves this off season to try to fix that if those moves work out I, I honestly think the Tennessee could be up there with like Buffalo and Kansas City as AFC contenders and look I'm sorry to tell you but as of right now I probably have them right there uh at the top of the AFC South again with your Colts probably coming in second again but I, I mean what are, what are your thoughts on this I mean this is a big move you're gonna have to see them twice a year now so uh <laughs> yeah. what, what are your what are your feelings what are you feeling
1: well, uh, I, I try to take it from a generally neutral perspective. I mean, in all honesty, uh, I, I don't think I really hate any of the teams in our division. Some of the fan bases can be a little off-putting. But beyond that, like, you know, you've heard – I've talked about on the pod, like, how I feel bad for Houston fans, that they have really bad ownership. And with Jacksonville, I'm excited for them with uh, the combo of Etienne and Lawrence and Urban Meyer as their new coach. Uh, I think that could be really fun for them to go into the future. And then, yeah, certainly for Tennessee, I 100% agree. I think uh, the fact that you're replacing Corey Davis with um, Julio Jones, uh, I, I think I've even talked about the fact that I like Davis, the Jets, you know, he's a good receiver and all, but to get Jones paired up with not only A.J. Brown, but also Josh Reynolds, who I'm pretty sure is going to be running the slot for them. Um, that's going to be great, particularly with uh, what A.J. Brown had to have, like I think a double knee surgery or something like that after the season. So hopefully you'll have a healthy A.J. Brown, healthy Julio Jones, healthy Josh Reynolds, obviously, as you said, Derrick Henry. The tight end position uh, still has a lot to be desired from, but at the end of the day, when you have three really solid receivers, it's not that bad. And, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I, I mean, I still don't even fully think of him as a top 10 quarterback. However, Ryan Tannehill is a great quarterback. I think he is someone that you cannot leave out of conversations for that. Um, He is honestly right now uh, without Deshaun Watson, he's probably the best quarterback in the division. uh, Seeing what happens with Carson Wentz. So as a fan, does this blow? Yeah, because I mean, I was feeling a little bit more confident that not only we had a young team, but we had a team that could really take the division and I felt really confident with it. Um, However, I will say that Tennessee, I think without question now, has a top five, if not top three, offense in the league. Um, it's just a filthy offense. It's going to be really hard to stop. Uh, however, I'm, as I think I've talked about before as well, I'm not high on their defense at all. They had to completely replace their secondary. Um, I'm personally, I mean, we'll probably talk about this more in the future, but I'm personally not too big on the Bud Dupree thing, just because he is good, but There's just more to talk about with that. So just with him and TJ Watt, and he's not going to have that TJ Watt next to him. He has to be the leader. So at the end of the day, I think there is still a lot to be desired of that defense. And if the pieces can work together, it can be a good defense. But that's where I have a little bit of confidence as a Colts fan, because I think that our defense is probably a top five defense in the league with how we run it. Uh, And I also think our offense is kind of like that middle of the park, uh, particularly if Carson Wentz, like basically this year, I think it's going to be as good as Carson Wentz can go um, in his first year with the team. So I just think this makes the division a lot closer. I think it makes a lot of fun. I'd probably favor Tennessee to win it now. And I do agree. I think there'll be a threat in the AFC South in like the AFC as a whole. Um, However, I think it's just gonna make the division fun. I think it's, a clear cut two horse race now for the afc south again and i think it's just gonna make the meetings between tennessee and indianapolis that much more fun so i'm excited for that i just won't be excited if we lose both times
0: (laughs) yeah right um no yeah and and this finally puts an end to the julio jones story that we've been tracking for a while now uh anytime we've talked about the nfl you know julio jones trade has always been the big thing and now that's finally out of the way um I'm not expecting any more big trades. NFL really just doesn't seem like uh, there are any names floating around at the moment. Uh, I can't think of any. Can you?
1: Well, there's one, but I don't know if it's going to be a trade and that's Zach Ertz for Philly. Uh, there's still a lot mm, of rumors that's a good point. either traded or cut or anything along those lines, just because he has a huge cap hold on the team. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is the year they really want to let Dallas Goddard run the, uh, run the tight end position. And I think they also drafted a good number two for Goddard. So it just – I would be very surprised if Philly doesn't get rid of Ertz. That's the last name to look out for. I don't know. I mean, I would probably say Buffalo would be his best location right now, particularly with Tennessee getting Jones. But we'll, we'll see what happens with him. He's not like a big, big name now, but he's like – it's big enough to talk about.
0: Yeah, tight, tight ends are – it's kind of a limited room. Um, I mean, you get your top, top guys, but then you've got a lot of guys kind of in the middle. And Zach Ertz, uh, injuries have kind of – Take him out of that top conversation, but he's definitely still really good. Yep. Um, definitely, probably an upgrade over many, many uh, number one tight ends in the league.
1: I, so I also over the weekend. The the, the one thing to, I think to add as well is for anyone that likes to run fantasy or fans of Atlanta, uh, Kyle Pitts to the moon.
0: <laughs> you know what? You know, that actually reminds me because I was thinking about this. We- Whenever we were talking about our mock drafts and we were talking about Kyle Pitts to Atlanta, we were talking about it in the sense that they were going to go for it this year, that they were going to go for it one more year with all the guys and with Matt Ryan, give him one more weapon to add to that offense, and then they just traded away Julio Jones. So now they're rebuilding. Uh, Like, their team didn't get any better. I don't know what they're trying to do there.
1: Well, I, I suggested that they could. However, I think if you are to go back in the pods, I think I did mention that if they do trade Julio... This is their red zone replacement, and he's overall, I think, a long-term great pairing with Calvin Ridley. So I'm I'm still really excited, and I still 100% stand by that he is the red zone replacement for Julio Jones. Like, Oh, and I'm fine with that. He has I, to. I'm
0: fine with him being that, but it, it's also just like Matt Ryan's not there forever. He's probably gone within the next two years. Yeah. And after that, is your building block to you know – receivers you got calvin ridley and you got cow Pitts. like is that what you're building your franchise around now i don't I'm know sure. it just doesn't seem like the right direction to go in but
1: you, gotta, you gotta think about it like this as well is that team really winning with how injury prone and overall meh their defenses
0: no no they're not I, yeah. I i don't think they would be winning even if their defense wasn't like that i, I honestly do not trust matt ryan that, that much anymore
1: so i think ever since ever since the- shanahan was
0: gone it's just been different
1: I think this is the absolute right move out of respect for Julio. I think it's the best move for Atlanta. Obviously, they, it looks like they really wanted to get a first, and then, you know, uh, to quote I'm out of there uh, from the Undisputed show. Um, right. That, that kind of killed that. So, um, I yeah, think you Atlanta see that he
0: officially you see that he officially came out today and said that he didn't know he was live on TV?
1: He <laughs> actually did not. That's crazy.
0: <laughs> oh, that's well, going to yeah. be
1: a mess, probably moving forward this summer. Um, I don't think it
0: will be him and Shannon are friends like if it was Max Tellerman or something it'd be different but no Shannon Shannon Sharp is able to get away with that because you know he knows players but that's right and it was it was still it was still ridiculous
1: but yeah no I I think it's the right move for either side and as you as we've kind of said I think this takes Tennessee to uh contention to talk as like a quote-unquote dark horse for the AFC and for the Falcons you know rebuild so
0: yeah yeah and even still a second round pick like everyone was talking about oh they should have gotten a first I, I think that a second round pick is good enough for julio i think he maybe could have thrown in a higher late round pick like not a mm-hmm. fifth maybe a fourth but he's up there he's, get, he's been injured a couple times he's still really really good but at the end of the day he's a wide receiver and wide receivers aren't really that valuable um career, yeah. so some other stuff that was going on this weekend we still have playoffs in two leagues we still have nhl and nba uh i'll just give a couple updates on some nhl stuff from last night canadians went up three nothing on the jets uh carry prices I, I just went back through the canadians uh uh schedule in these playoffs and carry price has been playing really really good because i mean of course he does and then vegas uh evened up the series with colorado uh at two games apiece last night by beating them five to one i caught some of the game and yeah vegas was definitely the better team last night uh, if you guys want to listen to Uh, Nels Williams and Deshaun Lamba go over the NHL playoffs in vast detail. You can check out their uh, special uh, bonus episode uh, on Anchor and Spotify. It was a couple of episodes ago. Uh, Be sure to check out pretty much an hour of them just going through each individual matchup. And honestly, it was, it was was fun. Yeah. Yeah, Fun to listen to fun to listen to and we'll have them back on soon uh, for the Stanley cup finals. Yep. And I'm sure that they'll recap these series once they are over as well. But I want to focus on the NBA now, because this is what Colburn and I have been talking about for a while. We can talk about a little bit about our first round matchups, but there are really some highlights that I really want to talk about um, regarding two players that have been linked ever since they come into the league. Um, why don't we start with our first round predictions? I mean, really, there there's not much to go off of other than the fact that we both had the Lakers getting out of that first round against Phoenix. And, Phoenix just did it. Uh, Phoenix was able to overcome. Um, outside of that, I, I don't think there was anything else. Any, there, there wasn't anything else that we were really wrong about. Can you think of anything? Uh, other there, than that right, series?
1: One more. there was one more that I'll shade us for, but to quickly talk Oh, yes, on you're one, right. You're right. I will say I'm very happy that uh, Phoenix got out. Uh, I, I think I was even saying that they are the team that I wanted to come out of it uh I am as I said though I did really want to go to a seven game series but you know going six is still fun and it, it was just kind of unlucky for the Lakers that uh AD got injured when he did and then even without that Phoenix just played an incredible series and uh as I mentioned with them I think either of those teams uh, it was it was that matchup was the matchup for the West and that team's going to go to the finals so I'm sticking to my guns and Phoenix has got to be making the finals, but the one that we missed was Clippers Dallas.
0: You're right. After that first two games, uh, we where Dallas uh, won on the road. Um, we both said that the Clippers had no way of coming back, and yet they did. And yeah. I mean, there was a meme the entire time throughout the series that Kristaps Porzingis is tall for nothing. Like he's just not doing anything on the floor, and he's seven foot three, and I, look, I don't, I don't know where Porzingis fits in the NDA at this moment. Cause I mean, when he came in, you know, he had that unicorn quality where he's a big man who can shoot. Um, he can handle the ball a little bit. He's never, he was never going to be like a traditional back you down big. Cause he was just too skinny, but I, I, I just don't know what he does anymore. Like he, his injuries obviously hurt his career, but uh, there was reports that he's unhappy with his role in Dallas. So he might be on the way out in the off season. And I mean, we were talking about it. Luca had an awesome game in game seven but I mean, no one else, I think it was overnight, no one else was over what 15 points for him. Yep. So, I mean, he, he needs some help. He needs a better supporting cast. I mean, Tim Hardaway jr. Has a game here and there, but he's not consistent enough and he's just not, he's just not that guy. He's not a good second or even third guy. I think he's a really good fourth guy, but on this team, you know, Luca needs some, a real nice supporting cast. He needs some other star players uh, to help him out a little bit.
1: You, you said it, and uh, I 100% agreed when you said it. Uh, and basically, to recap that, and recap of the series. Luca needs a third, or really at this point, with with how Porzingis has played, he needs a two. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what he needs. He has the team on his back. We had the funny thing where I think we even mentioned it last week. I think Rob Perez tweeted out he was involved in 37 of 39 field goals in the like second to last game of the series for Dallas. And then the last game of the series, he put up almost fifty, putting up forty-six points. What else does he have to do? Like the dude put Dallas on his back that whole series, and they still lost.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Luke has been awesome ever since he's coming to the league. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he 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 needs some real he needs some real help now. I mean, and it's gonna have to come through free agency because I mean Dallas yep. is winning enough with him that they can't get those top top lottery picks um but yeah they'll need to figure out a way to keep him happy uh because i mean he'll get his max extension but then once that's over and you haven't put a real good supporting cast around him then you're gonna have to hear those talks about him being upset being in dallas no, and you don't I, want to do that
1: i think you want him we move to be your next girl exactly and i think before we move off this series i think there's something that we agree upon i don't know how much longer his contract extends but I think this offseason that the Mavericks really need to package Porzingis with some picks to get some superstar off a team that's unhappy. Whether it's a team that didn't make the playoffs or a team that just didn't qualify through the like the, the qualifying bracket or I mean, heck, maybe even uh, the team that got swept in Miami to Milwaukee this is something that we've already covered. maybe they can find a star there. They just they they need to get that other guy for Luca, even if you can't move on from Hardaway Jr. as your three uh, or someone else there, you need to get someone who Luca could put up forty, and that person could put up high twenty to mid thirty. You really need it.
0: Luca, if I recall correctly, his contract um, it's it's the last year; it's his second year of his team option next year. So Luca yeah. Doncic will only be making ten million dollars next season. So you have all the flexibility in the world. To yep. just move everyone else, if you have to, to work around that ten million dollars, to bring in, you know, a couple max players, and then fill the rest out from there. I mean, it. I, I can't think of any like top free agents off the top of my head. I don't think this is going to be a good free agency cycle, but yeah, I mean, now, the, you, you the, have the to figure out a way thing. to get some support in.
1: Yeah, I, I think they really should package Porzingis with some first round picks.
0: I mean, then it's going to come down to people wanting that contract. That, that's the
1: real yeah, thing. I mean, the, the, the good news about it is it's almost halfway through. Uh, I actually looked it up. Um, so he's on a five-year $158 million contract with uh, his free agents. He'll be an unrestricted free agent in 2024. Um, so I, I don't know if that means that he has two years until he becomes a restricted or if it's three years until he's just completely out with his contract. However, I think that that might be reasonable enough For a team with a superstar that can be moved to move.
0: Potentially, potentially. And like you said, he'll need to be packaged with draft capital uh, in order to compensate because it's deteriorating ability and it's a contract that goes along with deteriorating ability. And that's just a bad combination uh, to move a player. And yeah, I'm looking at this free agency class and this free agency class is terrible. Unless Kawhi declines his player option. Uh, okay. With the Clippers this year, you're looking at you're looking at a 36 year old Chris Paul. You're looking at Mike Conley, Kyle Lowry, Demar Derozan, Oladipo, and that's it. Like you've got Dragic there, who's going to be 36. I mean, you've got really nothing, um, yeah, nothing of major value. Like no no big superstar. Kawhi would definitely be the name um, to potentially be on the move, and we'll see how he does with the Clippers in this run. Uh, but yeah, not really a lot of options for Dallas in free agency. Yeah, uh, someone I, that.
1: See, so, yeah, you, know, you can go ahead.
0: Oh, no, I was going to transition off to the next thing, but if you want to if you want to add one more thing, go ahead.
1: I mean, yeah, all I was basically going to say was for the Clippers, I think if the Clippers don't win the series against the Jazz and then at least don't put up a fight in the conference finals, I think Kawhi's out of there. Um, and then otherwise, yeah, I mean, if you look at some of those teams towards the bottom, I mean, honestly, you could probably go for – you could try to go and get, like, Vucevic off Orlando. Um I don't know if your your Detroit team really has anyone on a max. I don't think nope. they do. Nope.
0: Detroit has no one. That. We're getting Kate Cunningham. What are you What are you talking about?
1: No. Oh no. Of course. I mean, Kate will be great. But I mean, literally, the only other thing I can think of is like a one team that's just a bit massive disappointment is Minnesota. And you gotta move like like at this point, Kat and Dilo have to be looking to go. So I mean, who knows? Maybe with the new ownership, they'll be happier and they'll do a lot better. But, that could be something. I think with I think
0: with Minnesota, and we're completely off track now. But with Minnesota, um, from what I've seen, they just need to get their players together at the same time. Because I think with like D'Lo and Edwards and Cat on the floor at the same time, I think they were undefeated. But I think they only played like six games together, so they need uh, to figure out that lineup right. together. Okay. So um, yeah, you you get all those guys together, and then I think they have another draft pick this season. You know yep. you know what draft you know who I, would, who I would really love to go to Minnesota. I'd love to see them with Jalen subs. I think that would be an awesome addition because not only can he be like a, he doesn't need to be a scorer and they already have plenty of scorers, but he's also a really good defender. Like he's a really good defender at the point guard position. Um,
1: I I think, I think the only issue though, is I'm pretty sure in, unless there's a, uh, like a, if if it lands in top five or top three, I'm pretty sure their pick belongs to uh, to, or to the the, the
0: Warriors. Their pick goes to the Warriors unless they are in the top, uh, I think three, it might be top three or top four. It's It's protected one through three. So, if Minnesota wins, uh, basically gets in the top three in the lottery, they'll have their pick, and they can swoop in and grab Jalen Suggs, which I think would be a great addition. But they could also add, like, Evan Mobley, work him with Cat in the front court. I think that could be a pretty dangerous, too.
1: Um Ooh, yeah, five? Oh, please. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that'd, that'd be nice. But, yeah, this is a, that's just wishful thinking. But uh, I want to move on to another player that we can focus on that's been having a really, really good postseason. And, look, he's been tied to Luka ever since draft night because they got traded for one another. And – Luca is the better player. And I'm not saying that Trey young could beat the Clippers, but Trey young is balling. It's like this Atlanta team the past couple of years has been really, really good when it comes to drafting young talent, uh, surrounding Trey young, you know, Deandre Hunter, uh, John Collins obviously was there before him, uh, Kevin hurt, you know, that whole crew, uh, Cameron is there, but they're really, really, they're, they're a really good team. And Trey young is really popping off in these finals or not in these finals in these playoffs, uh, 40 piece against Philadelphia in game one. Can they do they have a run in them? Do they really have something going here? I mean, Trae Young's kind of been the story. And do you think that they can make it to the finals, uh, in the Eastern Conference at least by I, beating I, Philadelphia?
1: I, I mean, I think I talked about it a little bit, uh, when we came to them with New York, but I think that this team can go as far as Trey Young can take them. Um, I think they're a overall solid team. They're a very young team, very competitive team. And uh, with, I think Philadelphia slightly banged up though. It didn't really matter for him. Be the, if he's slightly banged up because he's still balled out in game one. Um, I mean, in fact, of the matter is, is as we've, you kind of mentioned, young has been balling out. Um, I, I think I have his uh, average stats right here. So I'm gonna go ahead and try to read off some of them. He's averaging 30 points a night with almost 10 assists a night as well in the playoffs. Um, he, he only has like three turnovers, which is fine with a 45% field goal average, uh, almost 35% three point average. Um, and I think it's like, uh, when you break it down, he also has five steals, not many, but that's fine. he's averaging, uh, like a uh, 0.8 steals a game. He's just playing amazingly on offense. He's been one of the best players throughout the series. And I think at the end of the day, it's, can Ben Simmons and if not Ben Simmons, the guards in Philly, can they answer Trae Young's offense? Like, can, can they stop him defensively? Because if they can't, I could really see Atlanta taking the series from Philly. Um, I think Philly's issue for a while has been guard play. However, um, if Embiid can light up, maybe if you can get Embiid and Harris to light up in the same night, it's going to be really hard for Atlanta still to pull this off. But it's a really great start for them getting the first game.
0: For sure, for sure. I just wanted to highlight it because, I mean, yeah, Trey Hung's been balling. But I wanted to... This is kind of a bigger conversation than just this NBA playoffs. Um, And we'll get into the rest of what made yesterday so special in sports in just a minute. But I I just wanted to talk about this because it was kind of racking my brain a little bit. So this is going to be the first uh, NBA finals in a decade, in more than a decade, without LeBron James or Steph Curry. So... The changing, changing of the guard is definitely here. Yep. And look, no matter how healthy the Warriors can get next year with Clay and they can add another piece, they can trade Wiseman, whatever they think they can do. I want to f- say I feel like their window is done with Steph. Um, maybe it isn't. I don't know. He can still obviously light it up. And if Clay comes back really, really good, then who knows? They could definitely do anything. Um, and it has to be like, like say they were just in Kawhi or something like that. If they brought in Kawhi, I could definitely see the Warriors making another run next season. Mm-hmm. Um, and LeBron and AD are obviously still going to be there in Los Angeles as well, hopefully more healthy the next regular season. But the immediate response to seeing the Lakers lose their series was always what everyone claimed was the biggest fear in NBA front offices, which was a Utah jazz NBA finals or like a Utah jazz Milwaukee finals. And the reason being that the NBA is a star driven league. And those teams have stars. They have Donovan Mitchell. They have Mike Conley. They have Chris Middleton. They have Giannis. They have Drew Holiday. They have Rudy Gobert. Like, those teams have star players, but they're in Utah and Milwaukee. Like, these aren't big market teams. So the question became, and and the debate became, between, you know, media figures and sports analysts. I see Max Kellerman tweeting out how uh, NBA ratings are going to be terrible. And everyone on Twitter roasting him saying, we don't need uh, good ratings. That's for casuals. We need good basketball and we're getting good basketball for the most part. And, you know, seeing all these players on all these teams, you know, have good series, like seeing Trey young with Atlanta, having an awesome playoffs is awesome. It's great to see. Um, so here comes my question for you. Does the NBA and really does sports in general? need big brands is that like a thing that like obviously that obviously your money people your financial people uh, your commissioners, your board of executives, your owners they're gonna be worried about ratings because they're gonna be worried about revenues yep. but from a fan perspective we don't really care about that as long as the product is good but at the same time like say for, for example I'm a fan of baseball and when I was researching this I looked up pretty much everything that had to do with you know ratings and revenues over the years. And I found a really good piece about, uh, Mike Trout. It was from the New York times. It was from a couple years ago, but it compared Mike Trout to Tom Brady and LeBron James, LeBron and Tom Brady had like 90% name recognition and Mike Trout had like 40%. And the reason being a hundred percent of counties in the United States are playing LeBron James games and are playing Tom Brady games. Cause they're not, na- cause they're always nationally, broadcast they're always in the playoffs they're always you know on primetime games you know the tv deals are really really good for the nfl and for the nba but for baseball the tv deals are terrible because they're all you know locally outsourced and you know only people in los angeles are seeing mike trout play and mike trout's never in the playoffs so baseball has this really tough aspect of you know marketing its players when it comes to that standpoint you know they can't get their players names out And I bring that up because as a fan, you don't think about caring about ratings and revenues, but at the same time, if you're a fan of the sport, don't you want the sport to reach as many people as possible? And in order for that to be the case, well, you need the media to back you up. Like you need the media to not immediately scoff at the notion of a Utah Jazz Milwaukee Bucks finals. If you have your media scoffing at that possibility, that's not a good thing. But at the same time, don't you also need some you know, big brand names. Like you want to see teams like the Knicks and the Lakers and the Warriors to do well, because that means that your league is getting as much exposure as possible. Do you get what I'm trying to say here? Um, And look for some sports, some sports are like invincible. Like the NFL is invincible. The Dallas Cowboys are the most valuable franchise in the world, but for the past decade, they've sucked. Like I, I, I I don't know. It's been a, it's a debate that I like, I'm seeing and I can see both sides of it where it's like, okay, yes, if we're getting good basketball as fans, we can appreciate that and we can move on we can live on with our day. But at the same time, do I want to watch a Milwaukee Bucks, Utah jazz final again, if it's exciting, great. But is it my first pick? If I just had had a natural preference of what cities or like what franchises are being represented at the top stage, I don't know. Now, granted, I live in Detroit and Detroit's not like a big media market, but so obviously like, I want to see some of the smaller teams succeed, but I also get the worry of what a Milwaukee Bucks, Utah Jazz finals could do. It could tank ratings and ratings have were already tanked last year because of the pandemic. You know, we saw a Lakers team and a Miami Heat team, two really big brands in the finals, but no one was watching because it was the bubble and no one really cared. Um, so what are your thoughts on this? Because as soon as the Lakers went out and when Curry lost in the playing game, you know, this was the immediate reaction to everyone. You know, Ja had an amazing game, but everyone's immediate reaction after the Grizzlies won was no one wants to watch the Utah Jazz play the Memphis Grizzlies in the first round. They'd rather watch Steph Curry. What are your thoughts on this?
1: To me, um, you have to think about it like this. First of all, how are some of these big brands built? It's the city that they're in. It's the players that have got to them. Why are the Lakers bigger than the Clippers? It's because they've had the legends like Kobe Bryant, like Magic Johnson, like Shaq, like LeBron. They've had those legends, while the Clippers have been a little bit more unlucky in that regard. And like the, like they've been unlucky in the playoffs and whatnot. But the reason the Clippers are big is because they're in a bigger market in L.A. So it's kind of like, oh, that's the trendy team to go to if... You, like, you know, rather than cheering the Lakers, let's cheer the Clippers. Um, why were we so excited for the Super Bowl this year between Tampa and Kansas City? I don't think Tampa's been that great in the past, you know, multiple decades, really. Exactly.
0: Those are two very medium market teams. I mean, Tampa exactly. Bay is not, is not a big market at all. I mean, it's in Florida, but it's Tampa Bay. It's not Miami.
1: Exactly. So why were we excited? We were excited because it was Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes, the old versus the new. Would, my, would Patrick Mahomes set you know this mark for a new dynasty in Kansas City and win back-to-back Super Bowls, or was Tom Brady going to bring not only Tampa a Super Bowl in home in his hometown, but continue his legacy and get another ring? Why were fans so excited for Leicester to win the Premier League? It's because you never see something like that. Why were we excited for Monaco? Because Mbappe was young and outstanding and we can see the future in him and that team was so young and outstanding and we can see the future in them and they spread out to some of these other big teams that bottom up in the bigger markets and they have some have flourished and some have dropped off with that at the end of the day what we as fans care about is the players and we care about good competition who cares if it's utah versus milwaukee will the cities really draw you in no but if there's fans that really want to go and watch those finals, they're going to buy tickets. They're going to uh, get plane tickets. They're going to get hotel rooms and they're going to get ready to watch some excellent basketball. Um, it, it, at the end of the day, for fans, I really don't think it matters. Uh, the only thing that would really matter for some fans is if you're a casual one and you're like, oh, I don't, my team's not in the final. I don't want to watch. Meh. Like at the end of the day, for fans, it is top tier competition like uh, as I said like I wouldn't complain if Minnesota reached the finals in the NBA like I want them to I'm excited for that team they're a young team they're like they have great players who cares if it's you know Minnesota versus Detroit in the NBA finals let's get like good competition I think that's the end of the day the biggest thing in every single sport Uh, right now the Lakers aren't even as big of a you know like a thing is what they are it's really LeBron when you talk about the Lakers, you're not even really talking about the Lakers anymore. Back when the Lakers were doing bad, that's when you're saying, oh, the Lakers are bad. Now you're saying, oh, LeBron was bad because LeBron's on the team. So we don't even sometimes focus on the team if it's a big market one. You're focusing on the big star. So for fans, it shouldn't matter. For media and ratings, though it might blow, I can understand that. So I can understand if Adam Silver's like, man, I want to see... L.A. versus Philly or L.A. versus New York, the battle of the like two biggest brands in the NBA. But the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that for fans, it doesn't matter, maybe for media. But at the end of the day, if it really matters for media, push it. Don't be that guy that's like, oh, Utah versus Milwaukee. Yuck. I don't want to see that. Dude, just be like, imagine Utah versus Milwaukee. Imagine Gobert versus Giannis Antetokounmpo. Imagine Donovan Mitchell versus uh, like Drew Holiday. Imagine Chris Middleton against uh, Jordan Clarkson, someone who not even talked about much for you uh, for Utah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and he's bawling out. Hype it up. That's the job as the media. That's the job as the people making these commercials and whatnot. Get the fans excited. If they aren't excited, get them that way. For the fans that actually want to watch, they're going to be excited no matter what. And they just want to see some really good basketball so i don't think it really matters the market i think you have to push it right and then at the end of the day the market won't matter if you push it and you send it to the moon
0: hey man i you know what i i just gotta sit back i'm applauding you that was probably your best monologue so far on this on this podcast i am i am blown away um but I, i like that you uh i like that you brought up uh soccer and you brought up uh, like Mbappe on Monaco and now he's in PSG because which is a much bigger brand uh, yep. in the game one um and we were talking about this too with like Super League and we were talking about it with Europa Conference League these owners only care about money so at the end of the day the owners want and the NBA like Adam Silver works on behalf of the owners so I'm sure that they would like to see more ratings, at least for more revenue. But again, yes, I I completely agree with you. If, if it gets to the point where, you know, we're looking at inevitably two medium or smaller market teams, um, you know, being in the finals, Adam Silver, will have to go to like ESPN and, you know, TNT and all those guys and say, Hey, we got to hype this up. We, you got to talk about Giannis like 24 seven, like LeBron, LeBron and Steph, they're, they're gone. they they've been gone for months now. LeBron's do a space jam. If I see you do a space jam, the space jam segment, you guys are losing your license and we're going to go to NBC. Like that's what, that's what I need to see. Like Adam Silver do. I need the NBA to basically say, Hey, look, media guys, I get it. Los Angeles is cool. You have your headquarters there or whatever. You guys are doing your shows from there. Talk about Milwaukee. It's okay. More people are in places like Milwaukee than Los Angeles. If you know what I mean, you know, you know, reach out to that quote unquote middle America that's living in, you know, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or Salt Lake city, Utah, Um, reach out to those people, reach out to those fan bases, make them feel uh, appreciated because, you know, their teams are really, really good um exactly. and like phoenix phoenix is a huge market phoenix is like top five in the country but no yeah. one really cares about arizona sports like if the phoenix suns went do you, i don't think that espn would be really excited but even still phoenix was like really really good a decade ago and now they have this awesome story of them like coming back and their fan base is super excited yep phoenix would be an awesome story to talk about but exactly. it just doesn't but like devin booker's really cool chris paul's really awesome but they're not lebron james and steph curry and i think that's the thing that it's just like the NBA has the NBA and like ESPN and all those guys. They've sat back and been like, okay, whether LeBron loses, whether Steph loses, we still have them in the finals. We still have them in the finals every year. It's always going to be the story. Yep. And now they're not. And I feel like they're just worried about what they're going to make, you know, uh, the the narrative be about. And I, I think that that for some uh, media people and for some NBA execs, I think that, that definitely worries them. But again, we, we always talk about the youth of the league, you know, carrying the league on its back and you see Jason Tatum and you see Trey young, you see Luca, even Damian Lillard. Uh, you talk about those guys being like the next, the next people. And you, you see them being successful in these playoffs. And it's just really good for the league to have all these stars in all these cities. Sure. But again, as soon as we see, you know, some slip-ups in the playoffs. We talk about Damian Lillard, who's been in Portland forever. We talk about him maybe moving on. We talk about Luca, maybe moving on. We talk about teams like the Lakers needing to go get him or, you know, it's not like you're never going to see team players team up in a small market team. Like, I don't think you're going to see people go to play with Giannis willingly. Like you're going to need a drew holiday to get traded to him. Um, so in that sense, that's, what's frustrating. It's those small market teams that are losing players to the big ones in free agency, um, to see players team up like Paul George was traded to Oklahoma city. And then as soon as he could, he left Westbrook to go with Kawhi in LA, a bigger market. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a debate, but I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly agree with you and, um, your thoughts on how the media should be, they, they should be pushing it. They should be saying, Hey, watch this. It's going to be fun. You're going to enjoy Donovan Mitchell dropping 40 a night. You're going to enjoy Giannis dunking on Gobert all the time. And we're going to put it on prime time and you're going to like it. Um, I mean,
1: in, in all honesty, I think as someone who's now, you know, quote unquote, working in media, or I mean, I'm not even quote unquote, I am working in media. This is the most exciting time. We, we talk about so much with some of these young players as well. This is the future. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the future's here. As you said, LeBron and <laughs> Steph are out. This is your time to hype it up. This is your time to say, we're about to get a new superstar. We're about to replace LeBron James because, you know, Michael Jordan eventually retired, though we still talk about him. And we're struggling. We're still going to talk about LeBron when he retires. This is, you, you can highlight this. Take this, ESPN. This can be your highlight saying, this is the time to find the next superstar of our generation. You've got Trey Young. You've got Giannis. You've got Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell. You've got all these guys. This is our time to find the next LeBron, the next Michael Jordan, the next Kobe Bryant. This, this is the perfect time to do that. And it's also like, you know, it's the best things for some of these media stories to find that interesting lead as well. Like if, if for example, though, I don't quite know this, let's say if drew holiday and some other guy, like they both went to the same college who were going in the finals and they both have like a similar playset, or if you have like a college versus college matchup or two players that formerly played on the same team, look for some of those stories, highlight some of that stuff, look at some of like the top scores and maybe look at positions and maybe be like, you know, though Tobias Harris isn't a big name, just be like, man, it's so much fun to see like Tobias Harris versus Bogdan Bogdanovich. For example, if Utah, uh, the Philly met in the finals. And it's like, these are two guys that have kind of been, a little bit like you know not as talked about as much in the media but they're both amazing at their position you got to find those little things and just go with it make that your story you don't have to just say LeBron 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 or Steph 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 all that you don't you don't have to just repeat that and say that that's the matchup just find a fun matchup I mean just have the fans go with it as I've already said
0: no I think you're exactly right uh if it was like a Tobias Harris story type thing, you know, you bring in, you know, maybe not every casual NBA fan knows who Tobias Harris is, help him out. You know, tell him who he is. Tell him that he's averaging, you know, near 20 a night. Um, tell him that he bounced around a couple teams early on in his career. And then he got to the Pistons played really, really well. Then got moved for Blake Griffin and then got moved to the Clippers in a big deal. And he's just kind of been that guy and he makes a lot of money. Do you talk about, you know, talk about those type of, uh, players, you know, talk about those, you know, unsung, uh, talents. And, you know, obviously you can talk about like Ben Simmons and Embiid, you know, those are guys that get talked about on the regular, but when it comes time for NBA finals and you're grasping at who to really highlight, that's not LeBron James. That's not Steph Curry. Um, you know, we really find those good details, like Seth Curry's in the playoffs. I'm sure that, you know, if Philadelphia was to make it, they would mention Seth Curry and how he's, yep. you know, a really good three-point shooter. Um, yeah. I, I think it's the media, it's going to be up to the media to really hype this up because they're at the same time, they're the ones that could be detracting from it. Like they could be the ones that are saying, Oh man, no one's going to watch this. Well, if you say that no one's going to watch it, no one's going to watch it. So yeah. I, I thought that it was just an interesting debate to have um, regarding fans of what actually, of what they actually care about versus what you know media heads care about uh, and we'll see how it develops, you know, as we go further and further into the playoffs, like, you know, if we get a conference finals, matchup that isn't particularly great to the eye Um, you know, we can really see how the media treats it. Uh, And and like, I'm not expecting them to just ignore the NBA. I mean, this isn't the NHL. They don't not talk about the NBA, but yeah, I'm just, it was interesting for me to look at. So uh, I want to finish up talking about yesterday and when it comes to yesterday, uh, we had a baseball game pretty much all the baseball games happened on earlier in, in the day, but then we had one primetime game Yankees, Red Sox, you know, obviously ESPN is trying to laud it, you know, Oh, greatest sports rivalry ever. And look, it's obviously great. It's very historic, but you know, it's just one game and the Red Sox were beating them up. They were going for the sweep last night and it was a pretty fun game too. you know, flipping back between that and uh, nation's league. Um, but then one thing caught my eye. Yeah. I was just checking the score. And I think nation's league was ready to kick off. But then I, I looked at my friends and I said, Hey, Yankees tied it back up. It was, it was a very exciting game. You know, Red Sox had a two run shot. Xander Bogarts with a sack fly in the eighth to give them the lead. And the Yankees tied up in the bottom of the ninth. And then, oh, was it Gary Sanchez? Someone was up at the plate. I don't remember who, but runners on first and third tie game four, four, two outs. And it's a full count and Red Sox pitcher throws a curveball that goes a foot off the plate umpire rings him up calls him strike three twitter went nuts on just how ridiculous a strike three call that was because if you look at espn and if you look at their uh k zone that thing was way outside that was ball four a hundred times out of a hundred but he rung him up called strike three and you know went to extras and red sox win and again it's just one game yankees probably still make the playoffs and look they get dropped you get dropped by umpires a lot but at the same time when it comes to balls and strikes you shouldn't be and this is where I enter the robot debate. We, we need to start have, we, we need to have them. We, we need robots calling balls and strikes so badly like the strike zones this year we've been paying so much attention to them and I follow uh, a Twitter account that highlights each umpire's individual performances by their games um, and they talk about, uh, you know, what was the umpire strike zone tonight? Cause every umpire is different, but they really shouldn't be because if you have a uniform, um, strike zone and everyone abides by it, you have more reason for, uh, batters to approach, you know, they're hitting the same way. The whole problem with baseball has been, Oh, what? Well, we don't get balls and play enough. Well, it's because batters don't know where to swing or batters don't know what pitches to lay off. And when you get more consistency in your balls and strikes, you're going to see more batters swinging and you're going to see more, uh, balls hit in the play, maybe even widen the strike zone a little bit to force batters to swing more. I-, I don't know what it has to be, but that was just a terrible call. Uh, and we need robots. I know you're not much of a baseball guy, but when I say stuff like that, where it's like, you have umpires basically changing the game and making the game about them and missing easy balls and strike calls, robots have to be the future do you do you not think so
1: uh i mean they certainly are for a lot of things and in all honesty yeah i mean whether it's that or whether i don't know if you guys have like a playback system where uh kind of like VAR and whatnot in soccer but um yeah i i think you guys do need something i think you guys need that accurate call um and i think that's something that would really help out baseball rather than having because there's always you know for you know actual people being umpires like at the end of the day, you're gonna miss every now and then. I'm not gonna fully blame it, though. Like that one from how you said it, it sounds ridiculous. At the end of the day, umps are gonna miss some stuff. So if you want the most accurate call, sure. Go get yourself a robot. I'm I'm down for that. That'd be good for the sport if you want to have it as accurate as possible.
0: Yeah, I here, I'm gonna send you this. It, it's Jeff Passon. He tweeted out a picture of uh, he, he tweeted out a picture of ESPN K zone and um no, it's just ridiculous how far off the plate it is here. I'm sending it to you right now. So you can check your phone. Uh, it's pitch. Number seven was called strike three, but yeah, I, I think it's just time for uh, robot ups. But now we get into the main event of the night. Uh, not exactly the main main event, but when I talk about that, I talk about the big fight. Are
1: you seeing that? Are you seeing the, the, you seeing picture.
0: the picture?
1: I think uh, I, I'll get to the picture, but I think we should talk about the undercard to what is the actual main event for us. So that's what I'm talking un- about. The undercard. the under the undercard being the actual main card of Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather. So, uh, yes, the, that the, is,
0: that is what I'm talking about, quote unquote. Um, yeah. And they both that's happened. Co- they both coincided with each other. They both overlapped. Um, and because of the Floyd uh, Mayweather Logan Paul fight, I actually missed the pretty much the entire second half of the of the Nations League final. Um, we were flipping back <laughs> and forth, but we missed both goals uh, in the second half. That's
1: fair. But, but I, look, I, I also I, do see the image you sent me. Good lord, yeah, mm-hmm. that's all.
0: It's pretty bad. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't want to spend too much time on this. <sighs> like how dead can you possibly be as a sport that you have Logan Paul fighting your greatest fighter ever and you're marketing it so well and it, you just sit around and it's a hug fest for eight rounds and it's boring and nothing's really happening. And <laughs> like, this is, this is what I was talking about last night. Imagine just some random guy who got big on the internet going up against LeBron one-on-one in basketball and then highlighting it. Like that's what, that's what it is. That's what last night was. And it was boring and it wasn't worth my money. (laughs) And even though I paid for it and because of it, we missed out on the second half of nations league. Um, but look, Logan Paul got knocked out. I'm seeing that video that's been circulating.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Logan, yeah, you sent me a video. Logan Paul got knocked out and Floyd held held him up just to yep. make sure that they could go the distance and that is hilarious to me. That they, they oh, definitely uh. had some agreement that said, "Oh yeah, we got to have this thing go full 8." Cuz Floyd doesn't care. This doesn't impact his record. No one's going to talk about this and be like, "Oh, he couldn't beat Logan Paul." Like, first of all, he did because did you see the the jab ratios? Like Logan Paul hit yep. like 10% of his shots. Floyd hit like 50 and he 50. shot and he threw like four times less.
1: Yes. Um, oh, man. I'll, I'll go ahead and say for the people who are listening, if you do have Twitter, the the, the tweet that I actually sent Dan uh, in our DMs, it's uh, from a user called at stock uh, zn uh, crypto, uh, the, and you just see like Floyd has a really good um, right jab and uh, followed by a left, and Logan's just out. He is cold. He is, he's asleep, as asleep can be. Like he's literally falling down, and Floyd Mayweather is picking him up, like. That's how bad it is. But at the end of the day as well, yeah, when when they make it an exhibition uh, rather than, like, you know, like one that really go on the record, like you're not going to have Floyd lose ever when it's televised. But then on top of that, the whole point of this was to try to be like, oh, we got to make Logan a star because these two really didn't have beef. The closest thing that they had to beef was when Jake Paul made some stupid meme and then got a shiner on him because he's stupid. And <laughs> – cried in the bathroom after he got the Shiner. Yeah, he, man. He tough, and, and he, you know, he's like, oh, I got your hat for two weeks, though we saw him break, crack his voice, and he definitely cried in that bathroom after getting it. Like, Floyd, he got, it. <laughs> he got a clean one. But at the end of the day, like, Logan still owned one. He's still a YouTube boxer at the end of the day, though, you know, all respect to all the people that not only get in the ring, but, you know, to even the people who are winning, like, KSI, um, but at the end of the day, like this shouldn't have mattered. At the, like, if Floyd wanted to knock him out, he should have just said, Logan, at the end of the day, you're fighting a 50 50 and 0 fighter, what would be 51 and 0 if we actually fought. Just let me crack one on you. You're still getting all the money from this. It doesn't oh, yeah. matter. Just pull but Ben week. <laughs> that's
0: the thing. I thought that, um, I, I think that they definitely had an agreement to go the distance because I mean, yep. come on, you, I mean, seriously, um, but like no judges, I don't know. It was ridiculous. I regret paying both of these men because I know that my money is going towards them. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it was ridiculous. And that's the thing too. You mentioned all these like real boxers and obviously like, I respect them because you know, if they're playing their sport, you know, it's just like any other athlete, I, I wonder how they feel, you know, how, how do they feel that like, yeah, there's no way that that's not a mockery of what they're trying to do. Right. Like boxing has just kind of fallen. It used to be like this big thing. Obviously you had like Mike Tyson and all them back, you know, before the interwebs, but boxing has really fallen off. And seeing a YouTuber be like your main event. Yep. I, I really feel like that is a slap in the face. I don't know what like professional boxers opinions are of it, but it's, it just feels like they're not taking it seriously anymore.
1: Here, here's what I will say. Well, I think it's really, I, I want to see boxers reactions after this next weekend when you have the big event of youtube versus tiktok um which doesn't excite me at all literally i'm not watching that not even close the the only two things that i would even want to look at it for actually there's three it's one because you know deji's back in that's cool the second is because gib is big in the uk uh i think he's cool person and taylor holder supposedly is an actual like you know, he's trained at boxing for five years, so maybe that could actually be okay. You know, the main event, Bryce Hall's weak. He's trash. He's, oh. I, I, hope he, I, I hope he gets blown up by Austin, but that's literally, like, <laughs> that's it. The rest of that card doesn't matter. I, I remember when I was mowing the lawn at one point, I actually i am like, oh, the press conference is on, and Gibbs, who, 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 message about it. I'm going to go look at it it was so boring and like half of them are like, oh, we're doing this for the money, bro. And it's just like, dude, shut up. You're not supposed to be, you're supposed to be trying to sell it. You're just like, no, I just want the bands. Like it was so pathetic. But if that becomes like a really high selling, like boxing pay-per-view, I want those boxers to be furious in talking about it. And I need those promoters to be actually doing something about it because- Well, here's the
0: thing. But that's but that's the thing. That's a really good point. You break up the promoters. The that's the thing. The fighters are the promoters. These are guys with millions of view of, you know, subscribers on YouTube, on Twitch, whatever it is, on TikTok. That's their fan base, and their fan base is children and these children will pay for this pay-per-view and they will get money off of them and that's that's the whole game you know we don't know who these boxers are you know um the closest thing we have to like a boxer influencer would be like ryan garcia who's this like young guy who's posting on instagram or whatever but even still like he's, he's got a pretty decent following but he he isn't a personality first that's the thing the, these guys are personalities that are using fighting to make money where versus a fighter who's trying to use his fighting to be a personality. Like that's the difference. And when you are a personality first, you have a large following and that large following translates into, okay, I'm going to do this thing. You're going to have to pay me to watch it. And then they just say, okay. And these millions of people will pay the money for it. Um, yeah, that, that, that's what it becomes. So when it comes to boxers, cause that's the thing too boxers, they're they're their own brand. They're their own person. I mean, they might have like an agent or something, or they might belong to an agency, but they they have to sell themselves versus like, this isn't going to be like ESPN, you know, putting NBA players up or anything. They have to sell themselves. And when you're just trying to do that as a boxer, it's difficult versus someone who's on YouTube or TikTok making other forms of media, they're selling themselves already. And they already have that large fan base.
1: Particularly, as you said, when they're children as well, because children, as we've even seen with one of the Paul brothers, are, you know, very, very um, easy to persuade at times. Yes, very influential. They can be a very crazy fan base. And for some of those kids as well, their parents will do literally whatever the kid wants uh, up until the points of like you you had like back in the day, those crazy things whenever uh, Jake was at that old home and uh, they were literally, like, trashing that neighborhood, and you had, like, hundreds or thousands of people there a day, and it just absolutely ruined that neighborhood. Like, kids will – basically the point of that is that kids are going to be crazy. So
0: – Yes, they will be.
1: As you said, which I think is a great point, if they want to watch their, their little Mr. Throwback himself, Bryce Hall, uh, you know, hopefully – and I'm, I'm really hoping he loses to Awesome McBroom – That'd be funny. I just, I want to see him get, that's the one thing which honestly might make me get that fight. I just want to see him get decked. Oh,
0: oh he was <sighs> yeah. so annoying.
1: I, I don't know if you saw that press conference. It was, he's so annoying. He wants to be Jake, not... so bad.
0: Oh man. I, you know what? I don't know. I'm not involved in any of that, but I'm not, I'm not going to watch. I know that. I, I know that that's the thing that I won't watch. I just watched this yeah. out of a mere morbid curiosity I'm not watching the next fight. Um, that's not going to happen. But I'll tell you something that was exciting. Nice little segue here. Uh, yeah. the, main, the main event, the thing that I was so hyped for that as soon as it was over, I told you, hey, we got a pod tomorrow. This is something yep. that like we need to talk about. CONCACAF Nations League Final, United States versus Mexico, made sure I had my friends over to watch with me. Uh, started half an hour later. Don't know why. I think it's just because they didn't want to battle with ESPN uh, MLB coverage. But... I mean, right off rep, I was so excited for this game. And look, I have a belief that you can only watch soccer if the announcing crew is British or they're speaking Spanish. And so, as soon as we were watching, we were just watching CBS Sports, like, oh yeah, this is this is fun, yeah. And they're like, hey, do we have Telemundo? And so I flipped to Telemundo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, really, we were having so much fun; it was it's electric. Like they, they those guys know how to commentate. But then
1: so much fun.
0: Oh yeah, and of course, a minute in um Mexico scores and I'm like oh my god this can't be happening but look I don't know much about the United States men's national teams but as soon as the game started and we want we me and my friends were making sure we were keeping up with it throughout the whole game Mark McKenzie had a rough game like again I I don't know him I like I don't know the players that much outside of like maybe ballistic but Mark McKenzie had a rough game at defense like that whole that whole defense just kind of felt sloppy the entire game um but they were able to come out on top. But I just want to like recap the whole game. Um, and then Mexico got out to a 2-0 lead, but then the VAR gods blessed us with a, with a chance to uh, yep. take that goal back. And then awesome corner uh, from Polisic, which I didn't know that it was almost McKinney on the header, but then Gia Reyna hits it in. And then as soon as the commentator crew talks about Gia Reyna, they mentioned that he's 18. And I started to feel really bad about myself because I'm already 19 years old and I've got this kid who's <laughs> 18 years old playing for Dortmund. And yep. he's scoring goals uh, at the international level. Um, so that was really good for my self-confidence. Other than that, I'm pretty sure the first half went pretty silently. Um, a couple chances here and there for, e- for either side. Uh, but then got to halftime. You know, Zach Steffen goes down. That was tough to watch. Um, Mexico scores, but then just a couple minutes later, uh, Weston McKinney on a header to equalize. And I missed both of those goals because we were watching Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul. Um yeah. Then we get into extra time, and uh, if, I, if I recall, the first extra time uh, was was uh, scoreless, and then the second one was both penalties, correct? Yep. Yes, because it was 113, and then the second one happened at 120. Um, look, the VAR gods bless us once again with a United States penalty. Captain America steps up, drills it in the upper 90, the upper right 90, as the announcer called it, and then, yo, like... Final minutes winding down, Mexico gets a PK on a handball that I don't even think was supposed to – should have been a handball. Um, <laughs> and even for, uh, Horvath, with just an incredible effort, like, the whole night, he was really, really good at his back of Bully. Um, and was just an incredible stop, and then they wind it down, and they get the win. Man, when you have, like, a rooting interest in soccer, it's so fun. Like, I forgot how, like, fun it is to watch – United States yep. soccer. Um, Cause I, I, like, I remember the 2014 world cup and I remember having fun with that, but like, I'm a different, like I'm older now. I'm, you know, I'm a bigger sports fan than I was back then. And watching last night was like, it capped off probably one of the best sports days that we've had in a long time. Um, the one there, there's one day in particular, that's like fried in my brain. And it's, and I remember the date too. It was a Saturday and it was May 2nd, 2015. And I look back, I look back at it today. Cause I wanted to make sure I had every event that was possible. You know, that day you had third round, you had third day of the NFL draft. You had the Kentucky Derby, you had NHL playoffs. You had a game seven in the NBA. You had Yankees, Red Sox. And then you had, uh, the Mayweather, uh, Pacquiao fight. And that night, that day was crazy the entire way through. And it was so much fun to watch. That was a really like memorable sports day for me and capping it off with like a 1230 finish, uh, watching a soccer game, watching the United States beat Mexico and win the first ever nations league that it was so much fun to watch. And obviously like we talk about the United States uh, men's team and you know, they're, they're young, that that's their story. They're young, but they have so much potential and you have all these guys that are talented and they play over in Europe and they've come together and they win their first trophy together. And you just start to think about like, what's their ceiling okay, well, now you have the gold cup later coming on later on in the summer. What happens if they do really well on that? What happens if they win that? And then you talk about uh, Qatar qualifying later on this year. You talk about that. You start thinking about 2022. And then, of course, you think about everything that happens from 2022 to 2026 when we're hosting it. All these players are in their mid to late 20s and they're matured and they're stronger and they're better athletes and they played together longer. And then you just you just start to think, how good can this team really be? And last night, it just showed, like, this team can come up really clutch and they're really really fun to watch and to me that's really that those are like the two things that can make it like exciting for you to watch as a fan and the think about them playing here in 2026 in front of world cup uh, audiences and then potentially you know moving on to the knockout stage and then playing for like something really really special in us history it's exciting <laughs> and um, just just thinking about it like that and, and seeing last night's game happen and seeing all the discourse on Twitter and seeing all the fan interaction just from the stands and seeing Mexico's manager get a red card was hilarious. Like the, the entire atmosphere, everyone's like, everyone's always pointing to specific moments uh, in sports the last month or so regarding when are we like back as like a sports fandom, as a collective society? When are we like back in this country when it comes that to was... um, beating coronavirus? Last night was like the first moment I hadn't really been on board with like the whole, Oh, we're back in ocean. But like last night was like the closest thing I felt to like, that was incredible. Like that was normal to me. And so it it was just really fun. And I know you have a lot of thoughts on it too, because obviously you follow soccer closer than I do, but dude, last night was pretty unbeatable.
1: Yeah. We'll have some other exciting stuff to talk about soccer wise as well to wrap things up. However, to start on this game, I think uh, there's a few things that we should talk about before we really get into the, 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 the meat of the game and talk about really like the two things that I was specifically disappointed in, something we've talked about. But first of all, I hope this excites you for the future for being a West Ham fan and to hopefully be able to catch more of their games because soccer can get to this exciting moment. Um, and to have kind of like what we had yesterday, particularly with both teams lined up at three backs, You're going to have games like that. Um, You're not always going to have games where both line up as three backs, but when you have a game like that, it's going to be offense, and particularly with how much of a rivalry there is between these two nations, you're going to be heated with this. So I think that's great. Um, But then even comment on that for you to know for the team. um, There's a couple things, like I'm in group chat, and we talk about this every now and then. There's there's a few things that really surprise me. First of all, the formation. I don't, I didn't think we really had the team to really run a three back, particularly in a final. I didn't think that that was safe at all. However, we were able to get away with it. So, I, I will question. I st-
0: what but can know. I still say that it looked tense? Like, yeah. it looked like um, so certain players were, like, like I said, Mark McKenzie did not have a great game. Would you agree with that
1: notion? Yeah, I mean, McKenzie was okay. Um, he was one of the kind of questionable ones to get thrown in there. Uh, really, really, the questionable ones uh, in the game, there's one that became questionable, which is Tim Ream. Tim Ream didn't look good last night, really, at all. But really, the, the, the questionable ones thrown into this team was Kellen Acosta and McKenzie. Now, Kellen Acosta last night looked the best he's looked in a while. He looked great. Um, and I remember, like, we were so mad about that because Tyler Adams has been on fire. He is by far a best-holding midfielder. And he and uh, Weston McKenney make a perfect partnership in that midfield for us. So the fact that Adams didn't start really surprised a lot of the fan base, I think, but with how Kellen Acosta played, he kind of left you without doubt for why he started. He did really well. Uh, and then for Mark McKenzie, I personally, I do not know him as well. He's one of the names that I think is fairly new to the team. However, um, yeah. He kind of had a struggle of a night, which is one of the issues moving forward with this team is we really need to find a partner for John Anthony Brooks um, to, to where then our defense can really shine. Um, but yeah, I mean, the formation and a couple of the players that were in it were not great. Uh, we should have started uh, Tyler Adams. And then with how overall the tournaments played, maybe uh, Jordan Sibachu should have started over Josh Sargent, but Sargent has looked good at times, and overall he's someone that I think uh, Bralter has faith in. So I, I don't question that one as much. And then maybe Yunus Musa as well. He's a good young winger. Uh, kind of thrown him up top. And then, I mean, Dest has just kind of been a liability at times defensively. Uh, so, I mean, maybe you could have had him with a better center back on his side, but that's that's really lineup stuff. Um, Game-wise, as you said, you, you, you recapped it really well. It was an electric game just about from start to finish. Uh, I have a whole timeline for what happened from the 80th minute onward for us to talk about. However, the one thing to even preface this was the ref and the fans, particularly the Mexican fans last night, were bad. They were really bad. Particularly, like, uh, we'll we'll talk about the penalty, but the referee should never have called that. Uh, The referee had some bad calls, including another missed yellow and pretty strong Guardado that would have sent him off on a red, um, and the fans last night were throwing things at the U S players. Uh, they had what honestly is basically an own goal in their own regard. And they hit one of their guys. Um, but then they even did that enough moment. To... was funny.
0: That moment was that, funny.
1: That was really funny. Um, but they even did enough to where Gio Reyna actually had to be taken off the field and honestly, possibly as a concussion. So, uh, I, I wish for the best health for Gio Reyna, And if he does have a concussion, I hope he recovers well. But the fact of the matter is, is. That isn't something in the soccer world that is surprising. Uh, Those like the the fans of the Mexican national team have done stuff like that before, but the fact that it got to that, and the fact that that wasn't able to be contained was insane, pathetic, and absolutely disgraceful of the fan base. Now with that in mind, we'll highlight even some of those moments with this. um, Some of the things, just some of them, That happened after the 80th minute that someone on uh, Twitter had recapped. So we tied the game in the 82nd. Following that, there was a fight. Then following that, the game was paused during stoppage time because the Mexican fans had a homophobic chant that was going on, which is disgraceful in and of itself. But then after that, they, they went to CBS and CBS was talking and not only did a fan invade the set, but he jumped off of the TV set and we don't even and know that, what happened.
0: No, yeah, I don't know what happened to him either. Cause I don't know if like, there's just like seats below that or if they're like on a second level, um, because uh, yeah, I remember watching that uh, and we were just kind of like half paying attention. And then someone like, yeah, someone leaped behind the railing. And yep. I was like, uh, what just happened? I need to rewind right now. Um, yep. So yeah, that was, that, was, that was a really crazy moment.
1: But that was absolutely wild then. After that you have the VAR this is. I think this is now going into uh, extra time now. Uh, VAR gave the United States a penalty shot in extra time which Pulisic buried and I think he even quoted saying long lines of like, oh place uh, like I, I was just gonna be placing it top bins the whole time. I don't know. he said some savage quote and it's like go off, you do you Christian. Um, and then I think there was even something next to his thing where it looks like I, I think it was uh, no I didn't see this part. The, the ref may have actually torn up some of the pitch there where the penalty spot was. Cause if you, if you look at where, how Christian Pools was taking that penalty, there's actually a like a torn spot of grass at where the penalty mark was. And that could have, that throws off penalty takers. Like, cause if you step into that, you're screwed basically. So that was weird. Um, but then after that, you have uh, Tata Martinez getting sent off with a red card um, for touching the ref because you, you can't, don't do it, ever. Um, then after that, you have the, the, the lead for Pulisic because Tata got sent off before the penalty was taken. Um, then you have a U.S. bench player getting injured during the celebration by a flying bottle. So maybe that was, uh, I think that was someone else even. So another player that I think got injured, uh, as you mentioned, Stefan got injured, like, I think, a bit earlier. I think Horvath replaced him second half, something like that. Um, But then you also have the VAR giving Mexico a penalty, which is ridiculous. Like, I don't remember who drew it, but with with how it looked, like there was no place for that dude's hand to go but where it was. So that should have never been called. And the fact that the ref called it was absolutely absurd. But then after that what happened, you had Horvath versus uh, Guardado, the guy who I even jokingly said to my dad, it's like, oh, we're just, you know, we're going to have Guardado dominate us or something. He has that chance to score for him. And not only was it kind of a meth penalty, but it was placed low enough to where it could have still gone in. And Horvath saves it. The backup keeper, the guy who came on for Zach Steffen, who honestly, he probably should have started with how Steffen's generally played. But Horvath saves it um, and becomes our hero with that. And then you have someone who invaded the pitch afterwards, like in extended time, in which then on top of that, the one thing that's not added in this notes list was, though, sure, there were some other stoppages that occurred, the ref gave 10 added minutes when it was meant to be five. Sure, I can understand some of the, like, there was stoppage in the stoppage time, but he quite literally doubled. He even got to 11 minutes. He over doubled the stoppage time, which gave Mexico a chance to, like, get back in. They were, I think they were even close. But then Horvath's still doing great. He's man of the match, but that referee and the Mexican fan base there were very disappointing.
0: Yeah, I completely forgot about the uh, guys running onto the pitch, too. It was, it was a crazy, it was just a crazy night. And yep. obviously not every soccer game is going to live up to that. But do, when, when, do the, when does the United States play again? Um, just, just for reference, it, it, definitely Gold Cup time. Um, but they're already – I'm sure they're past group stage play, right? They automatically qualify to go past group stage play?
1: Uh, I mean, that sounds right. I don't know uh, if we'll have, like, an international friendly before then. Uh, however, uh, I will look up for the Gold Cup. Uh, it looks like the next match for that is El Salvador versus Quesha. Uh, I think that's how you say it. July 10th is what I see here. Um, I'll see if it can give me anything for the U.S. Uh, it – does it's uh, we we are in the group stage, however. So how it happens is we have a to be determined um uh, a week after uh, July the fourth, so July eleventh, um, okay. and that will be our first of our group stage. And then you have uh, the second uh, game of our group stage against Martinique, and then the third group uh, the game of our group stage versus against Canada. So
0: okay. Hang on. I'm trying to navigate the gold cup website and this thing is really weird. Anyways. Um, so yeah, uh, that, that's pretty much all I have on that, uh, game, but no, it was, it was really fun to watch. Um, and it just, it was really nice to see them win too. Uh, so definitely looking forward to July, uh, to see them continue to play and see them continue to grow. Uh, yeah. not sure. Like you said, if there are any friendlies in between now and then, but, um, yeah. I'll be on the lookout for that. So well, you yeah. wanted to wrap up today. Oh, one more thing?
1: No, no, no. I was, I was actually saying you were right. I was saying even if there are um, international friendlies, I think the U.S. audience should pay attention to Euro 2021.
0: For sure, for sure. This says that yeah. we play Costa Rica on Wednesday. Google does. Go. Is that a friendly? Looks uh, like it. Yeah, yeah, it's friendly. Okay, so that, we, would have <laughs> to
1: be friendly. that would have to be a friendly. Yeah, so we, we
0: play, friendly. play a friendly on Wednesday. How about that? Oh, I'll definitely be watching that. Why not? Why not?
1: Yeah, that'll be lovely, but... Uh, I'm pretty sure it is this Friday that the EuroLeague starts. Uh, So basically uh, what we've talked about, and I think something that we can even go over is uh, I want to talk about maybe some of the dark horses for this, um, maybe a couple of the favorites. Uh, If you want, we can go over the groups there, and we can talk about the nations that are in. Uh, But yeah, I mean, honestly, you give me a a little bit of direction here, and I will give you a little bit of help where I can.
0: All right um so how how about this how about we talk about yes because they haven't started yet right they start when do they
1: start uh i think they start this friday i'm I'm okay Yes, first game is on friday
0: we only have one game looks like turkey and italy um
1: so how about you yeah
0: how about you walk me some through some of the more um popular groups you know some of the more favored groups like some of the more powerful groups, I could say. You're, you know, your group of deaths, as you would call them. Um, and, and then maybe just, like, walk me through some of uh, the top squads that are going to be in contention here.
1: Cool. So I'll, I'll give you a, a few groups to really look out for. So if you're not wanting to watch all the games, it's fine. I mean, you have, like, one group that I think is, you know, pretty meh, which is Group C, that has Netherlands, Austria, Ukraine, North Macedonia. Like, for example, if you don't want to watch that one, I, I can get it. However, uh, the three groups that I specifically want to highlight is this. You have Group A, which has Switzerland, Italy, Turkey, and Wales. Uh, Wales, obviously, for um, people who even like even half pay attention to soccer, you will know Gareth Bale's name. Uh, so obviously, he is a good name there. Switzerland is a pretty consistently good team in Europe. Italy, uh, they're, they're getting to be fairly young. They've got really good talent. Um, the team that lots of people would expect to win the group and then you have turkey which is a team that is surprisingly good uh they got a lot of good talent there um including a player that plays in italy by the name of child um and i think that that's going to be a fun group i think most of those games are pretty must watch um and i think that it's going to be a lot of fun for that one the other group uh the other two groups you have group d which you have czech republic which they don't excite me as much but they're uh, the group that's in there Um, And I think that they they might be able to make some noise. I mean, you always have those smaller teams that can make noise. Otherwise you have Scotland, which I think is a fairly underrated team. I feel like they're a goalkeeper away um, from like really being destructive, but that's mostly because I don't think they have a goalkeeper in a top five league. And beyond that, you have the two teams that matched up in the semifinals of last world cup in England and Croatia coming up against one another Uh, England, uh, obviously losing that matchup to Croatia to have a France versus Croatia final in 2018. Uh, however, those teams meet again in Group D. I think the England team is a little bit stronger than it was last time out, uh, particularly if they throw Dean Henderson in net. I think that he will do better for them than Pickford, but that's my opinion. And then for Croatia, they are a team that's getting towards the older end. Uh, I think you have a new keeper in Livakovic who's going to be starting this time around. Modric is in his mid-30s. He's regressing a little bit, but he's still very talented. Um, But that game's going to be a lot of fun, and I think that those are the two that you should expect to move on from that group, but particularly that game, and then honestly, their matchups with Scotland I think will be a lot of fun. And then the final group uh, before you get into the, the knockout stage is going to be Group F, which is the group of death here. You have Portugal, France, and Germany. And then Hungary's just kind of there, I mean, sadly, to say hello. Because they they just don't have the quality of those other three nations. But then even when you talk about that, Germany, this is going to be their first big tournament under uh, new manager Hansi Flick. Um, And it's going to be exciting to see how that team lines up under him. Uh, For France, uh, obviously, they're the World Cup uh, winners. So they're coming off of that tournament. Uh, And I think that they got second place last Euros. Yeah, they got second place last Euros, losing to Portugal in France. Which was, you know, an upset, and then of course Portugal, the last Euro winner. Um, I don't think that they were really big at the last World Cup. However, I love this Portugal team. I think their defense might be one of, if not the best, uh, in Europe right now. They have a good attacking uh, three. They have really good midfield, and Portugal is going to be, again, I think, very dangerous throughout the Euros. So that that that's kind of your groups. So. That's going to be some fun stuff there.
0: Yeah, nothing. Uh, yeah, but like you said, that one group with um, France, Germany, Portugal, that, that's definitely like the group to look out for. And I would assume that your one of your four best third place teams will definitely come out of that group. Um,
1: yeah, no, I agree. And which is something that I will uh, uh, cover as well. This is, I'm glad that you mentioned it um for people that actually don't know so the round of 16 is uh the start of the knockout stage and with groups a through f you're not getting 16 teams from that naturally so what actually happens is is the three uh the the four best third place teams which are the teams that get the most points out of their group are going to move on so let's say a, a hypothetical is like if Germany gets four points, they're most likely going to move on because they'll be one, one, uh, one, one and one. Um, but that's kind of like what you're really looking for. So you could have a team like Germany who maybe loses to France and Portugal. They beat Hungary, but then the issue is is they only have three points while four other sides have four points or more. Then Germany's out. So that is that is like the one of the big things for the group stage.
0: Right, right. Um, Sorry, I'm actually just looking at a men's national team uh, scheduled for the U.S. right now, just because I'm looking at uh, World Cup qualifying dates, um, and they start in September of this year. Um, Because honestly, low-key, I want to try to go to one, because that just seems really, really fun. Oh,
1: yeah, sure. All right, so do you have
0: um, – how about you wrap up today's show with uh, maybe like a nice Euro prediction for
1: us? Oh, you're a prediction. I don't know if I'm going to really, here's the thing. Here's what I'll say. I'm not going to give a full-on prediction because because um, we don't know the round of 16. And for example, let's say I was biased and I was like, oh, I think Germany is going to win it. And then Germany gets knocked out, you know, then phooey, I can't get it. So what I will give you is I'll give you some of these uh teams that I think either are a little bit under the radar or teams that you should really be looking at. And what I will also give you, honestly, I I want to give a few young players some shout outs that I think can shine. So with that being said, um, I think I'll give you one. I haven't thought about like a a three, but for the Dark Horse teams, uh, you have what I kind of call your your, your perennial Dark Horse. The the, the Dark Horse, like at all times, Belgium, uh, they're a good team. They just need to make sure that they can solve themselves defensively. Um, because I'm not too confident in their defense overall, however, I think if their defense is able to perform well enough, they have a strong midfield when De Bruyne is healthy because he's recovering off of like uh, he, he broke something, he had something broken in his face during the Champions League finals, but he will be uh, ready to play for this tournament. But otherwise, you have him, Hazard is dominant for the Belgian team, Lukaku is absolutely absurd for the Belgian team. So they've got the offense, and they've got the firepower in the midfield. They just really need their defense to shape up. Um, Beyond that, I think Switzerland, uh, one of the teams I mentioned, I think they are a team that a lot of people are underselling. I think they're really good. Sure, there's some players that may not be as great, but I think when the team gets together, they can be uh, ready to compete, and I think that they can surprise some people in their group. Uh, And then otherwise, the only other teams that I think – can really be shocking in some regards uh, would be Netherlands and Poland. Netherlands hasn't been uh, too great in Europe for a while. They, ha- I don't think they've qualified for some of the more recent world cups. So this team like is not only a team that can certainly qualify for the 2022 Qatar cup and the uh, world cup, and they probably should, um, but they're a really well put together team. They're a really well managed team. And I think that, the sky is the limit for them, um, and I think particularly uh, if uh, they can get a consistent goal scorer uh, and at the striking position, they might honestly be uh, my favorite to win. And then for the last team, Poland, you can never count out Robert Lewandowski. He's absolutely dominant, and carries that team. Um, and then otherwise, they've got some really good people, uh, players. They've got the Polish Wall and uh, Fabianski, and I think that. If that Polish team can really come together, I think that they could win a game or two in the knockouts, uh, possibly. Um, And the one player I really want people to keep their eye on, I really, really hope he gets minutes. Uh, It is Daniel Malen for Netherlands. I think he's actually coming uh, back and getting healthy. Um, But when he went off to uh, PSV Eindhoven, he was absolutely dominant for them, and I think if Netherlands gives him the minutes, like I, I think they have some other like pretty decent strikers. But if they give Donnyal Malin the minutes, he's fast, he's clinical, and I think that he could be one of those players that you, you always have a few guys that walk out of these international tournaments as like high name prospects, kind of like uh, what Hamas did back in the twenty fourteen Brazil Cup uh, World Cup. So I if, if I, if I was to highlight a player, to me that's Daniel Malin, and uh, I think that. With the midfield that they have and with the defense that they have, if he's able to, sh- like, I think he has the perfect moment to shine offensively and uh, really kind of give his career a kickstart, which started with PSV, but I think um, would he would certainly be looked at by teams in the top five leagues in Europe um, if he gets a good amount of goals during the tournament.
0: All right. That sounds really good, man. Um, again, they start Friday. And how long do they run for?
1: Uh, it, I think it runs for a few weeks. The, the group stage, you know, you have your three games and that'll last you like a week. And then the knockout stage, the, like they, they try to give like a few days rest per game. So it'll probably last you through most of June, maybe even into a little bit early July, maybe. I, I think it ends late June, though. Uh, I can even try to look that up.
0: So uh, basically, watch this, and then it runs right into Golden Cup time. Uh,
1: yeah. Honestly,
0: Hey, that sounds pretty exciting. Pretty good. Pretty good. Solid months here of soccer action. I
1: give you a concrete timeline. The concrete timeline is this Friday, June 11th, to the ac- Literally, the, the the start for the U.S. Sunday, July 11th, uh, is when it ends. So oh, nice. as we're starting Golden Cup, the Euros will be wrapping up.
0: Very nice. Very nice. All right. Well, with that being said, for Goldgren-Bergstrom, uh, talking about some Euro soccer uh, starting this weekend, this upcoming weekend, because this, week, this past weekend is what we covered today uh, on the podcast. Very exciting. We really hope that you guys had as much fun uh, watching sports this weekend as we did, because, I mean, man, like I said, this was a jam-packed weekend, a lot of news, a lot of stuff, and obviously capping it off with a big soccer win for the national team last night. Just an electric atmosphere. Felt really nice. Felt really nice to see. Um so, yeah, Colburn, do you have anything else to say on today's podcast?
1: Uh, I mean, the only thing that uh, I'll highlight for yours real quick, England-Croatia play this weekend at n- uh, 9 a.m. Sunday. Uh, so, maybe – So, alarms, folks. I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys a, a slightly better option, though. Tuesday, a day, a day that might run slow for some people, uh, 3 p.m., you've got France versus Germany. And that- Ooh, that's a nice one. Yep. It's the wrap-up of the uh, first match of the group stage, and that's got to be electric
0: definitely definitely all right man well thank you for educating us on some european soccer as always um and if you want to listen to other episodes of the 3304 sports podcast where colby we'll also be talking about european soccer there as well be sure to check them out on anchor and spotify once again i want to thank you guys for listening today for colby and bergstrom i am dan steinbach i want to thank you all for listening have a great day and take care